welcome to episode 187 of Board Game Blitz, a podcast about all things board games that you can listen to in less time than it takes to navigate through an amusement park. Board Game Blitz is sponsored by Gray Fox Games. This week, we're talking about games to travel with. First, we discuss a couple games we've played recently, Challengers and Sagani. Then, we talk about our favorite board games that we bring with us when we travel away from home. And now, here are your hosts, Ambi and Crystal. Recently, I got to play Challengers. It's got an exclamation point, so I have to like say it, Challengers! Like, yeah, you do. That's a rule. Any board game that has an exclamation point, you have to say very excitedly or very loud. Yeah, or both. Or both. Um, so Challengers is a game designed by Johannes Krenner and Marcus Slawischek, published by One More Time Games. This was actually nominated for the Kennerspiel des Jahres this year, which I don't think they've picked a winner for that yet. But Challengers is a card game for one to eight players, it says. I'm not sure how you play one player because you're playing against each other. It's kind of like people described it to me as war, but like with deck building. So like the card game war where you're just flipping over cards and whoever gets the highest like gets to take it. It's all luck. (laughs) But it's mixed with deck building in between. So there's different rounds of the game. Everyone starts with, I think, the same deck, but then you get dealt some cards and you get to pick two to put into your deck. So you're like building a deck with all these different cards that have different synergies and stuff. The cards each have numbers and then like a type and then special powers that some of them have that synergize with other cards of their type or different types or something. Then you play a mini game against one other person. So it's always like paired off. So we played a player game so it was three games going on at once for each mini game and then we rotate and play against different players each round and there were like eight rounds or something so the play of the actual like tournament part you're just flipping cards over (laughs) the theme is capture the flag so like the first person has the flag and is defending the flag so they have like their card with the flag on it and then the other person flips cards until their numbers add up to equal or more than what your defender had and then they get the flag and you have to discard your defender and then only their last card becomes the defender so like if you had a four out and then they had to get up to four but they had played like a three and then a one then only their one becomes the defender so then you can play like a one and win but you might end up playing like a four because it's just however you shuffled <laughs> so you're, you keep playing until someone runs out of cards or they can't play or you can't discard because you have only a bench of six cards so like if you discard they have to go out into the bench and if you can't place them on there then you lose as well so like whoever has the flag and doesn't lose wins that tournament but also with the bench, multiple cards of the same type can stack. So as you're building your deck, between each tournament, there's a deck building phase where you draw cards from the deck and you get to pick one or two, depending on which round it is. There's A, B, and C level cards. So like they get more intense <laughs> as you go on, but you, you, you get to pick what you're keeping in your deck. And so you're like building your deck, trying to get synergies. One person had a lot of synergies around having low level cards. So like if you have low level cards on the bench, then this card is worth plus three. And then he had cards that could clean up his bench. So like you play this card down and then you get to discard cards from your bench. And so like you get to keep playing cards. And and so like his deck was really good. So like you can get cards that synergize well and that's kind of cool. So it's like a deck building. If you like a light deck building game, you have to go into it not expecting like a really heavy strategy game because... 
because it's not. So Challengers is like a, a light deck building with some fun tournament in there where you're just playing it out. But it's also like, it was fun to just say, oh, I, I played my cards badly. <laughs> like I was trying to get the strategy of playing these ones first, but they didn't go well because they didn't play. <laughs> but that's just like how you shuffled it. <laughs> so it's kind of funny. The game that I compare it to is Millennium Blades actually. So Millennium Blades is an older game that's a lot heavier, but it's themed around collectible card games. So it has multiple parts to it, but part of it is a deck building and tournament. And so Challengers felt kind of like a very light and less strategy version of the deck building and tournament part of Millennium Blades, which I like. So it was like a light version of that and it was pretty fun. The only problem I think, I mean, other than if you're looking for a heavy strategy game, this is not it, but, but uh, it did run a little long because it has like, I think it was eight rounds. So we're playing a lot, a lot of times, but like you kind of need those rounds to build up your deck. So, I mean, we had fun, so maybe it wasn't too long. <laughs> I mean, that is but, kind of the gauge, right? Yeah. Like, if you're still enjoying it, that does mean something. Yeah, but I could see, like, maybe some people might, it might run a little long for some people at higher player counts. But you want, it was fun with high player counts because you get to play against other people and see how their decks evolve and stuff. I did end up winning against the person who won eventually. When I played against him, I beat him, so. So moral victory then. Yeah, yeah. But I, I got, like, second to last place overall. Oh, no. But <laughs> one of the two people that I beat was the person who ended up winning. Nice. Yeah, I've seen this game on Board Game Arena. It got added mm -hmm. somewhat recently, oh. and I was thinking about playing it, but I hadn't done it yet. So now you've definitely made me more interested. It's had like polarizing reviews, so I wasn't expecting much going into it, but it was a lot better than I expected because if you're thinking, oh, it's going to be like war, but with some deck building, like that's what you should expect going into it, and then it'll be fun. So yeah, that was Challengers. Oh, Challengers, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ambi, you probably remember the Dice Tower West con that happened right before the pandemic started was the year that Nova Luna came out from Stronghold Games here in the States. And I played it at that con. Suze Sheldon taught it to me. And then I started teaching it to everybody else at the con that I could. And then I got my own copy. And I still, to this day, continue to play Nova Luna a lot. I really love that game. And I didn't actually realize or know that Uwe Rosenberg continued making games in a series of games that were related to Nova Luna somewhat hmm. until a few months ago. And apparently back in 2020, one of those games got released and I didn't know about it. And I've started playing it online on Board Game Arena. Actually, I don't own a physical copy of this one yet. It is called Sagani. So Sagani has a similar look to Nova Luna. If you all have heard me talk about that one before, it is a tile lay game where all of the tiles have certain requirements that need to be met on them to complete them. But what's different from Sagani compared to Nova Luna is in Nova Luna, tiles have different requirements on them that need to be met. And you can meet each one of those requirements separately from one another. And they're kind of independent from one another. So like if one tile wants to be next to a blue tile and it also wants to be next to two yellow tiles, when it's next to a blue, you put a token on that. When it's next to two yellow, you put a token on that. But those two things are not necessarily related to one another. In Sagani, the requirements on a tile are related to one another because each tile has a number of arrows pointing outward from the center toward different directions. And those can be orthogonal or diagonal directions. 
The number of arrows will also dictate how many points the tile will inevitably be worth. But to score the points on a tile, you have to meet all of the conditions on a tile. So when you look at a tile, it's going to have arrows in different colors. So you may have like a red tile that has a green arrow pointing straight up and a blue arrow pointing to the left let's say. So until you have a green tile above it and a blue tile to the left of it, it's not going to be able to score. You have to meet all the conditions to score it. But what's cool about this is those tiles do not have to be directly adjacent to the tile to be able to score. So when you say like, okay, green point straight up, you can look in a straight line as far above that tile as you want. And as long as there is a green somewhere above it, that counts. What makes this even more interesting is each player has a set number of tokens available to them. And every time you put out a tile, you put out the number of tokens equal to the number of arrows on a given tile. And those tokens are locked up until you complete that tile's requirements in full. So if you pull a tile that has four arrows on it, it will score you a lot of points when you complete all of those requirements. But it also takes all of those tokens and is keeping them away from you. And if at any point you run out of your tokens, then you actually have to grab red tokens, which are bad. So you kind of want to make sure you're managing completing tiles in a timely manner to make sure your token supply doesn't run out. But obviously the tiles with more arrows on them will score you more points in the long run. Similar to Nova Luna, this is one of those games where you kind of want things to work in synergy. Like, oh, okay, this tile wants a green tile to its left. So, you know, over here, I'm going to put, oh, this one wants a green tile above it and then make it so they're both pointing to the same space, basically. So later, when you put a green tile there, you're completing multiple objectives at the same time. As with most spatial-related tile-laying games, this one's a little hard to picture, probably, in an audio medium, but you can easily go on BoardGameGeek and look this one up. There is another game in this series called Framework that I have not played yet, and I want to because I really like Uwe's games, and especially <laughs> the games in this series. Have you played Framework, Ambi? No, but I was clicking through BGG to Nova Luna and Sagani, and I saw Framework because it says Nova Luna is re-implemented by framework. <laughs> yeah. And I, it's weird. I didn't know that either of these games existed until somewhat recently. I was like, wait, there's a whole series of these games. <laughs> yeah. And someone recently asked me, they said, which do you prefer Nova uh -huh. Luna or Sagani? Uh -huh. For me personally, even though the games do bear a lot of similarities, they feel different because uh -huh. Nova Luna, you're kind of making these chains of tiles, so to speak, because the ch tiles can run through one another, like blue can connect mm -hmm. to blue to blue to blue whereas in this one you're looking past tiles to other tiles potentially so they feel different I really truly at this point cannot choose a favorite between the two but I love them both and I don't know that one would replace the other for me at this mm -hmm. point maybe over time that would change but I've played Sagani on board game arena a number of times now so it's not like it's just like one or two plays and I really like it and I still really love Nova Luna so I guess I'm <laughs> gonna have to play framework and yeah. hopefully I don't love that one because I really <laughs> probably don't need to own all of these games but ooh, 
Juve, my man. You're, 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 you're putting out some good stuff. And uh, I, I can't be mad at that, I guess. So if you liked Nova Luna, like me, I would definitely recommend you give Sagani a look. And again, mm-hmm. that's designed by Uwe Rosenberg and published by Skellig Games. Right, and I looked at both of these, and apparently they both also re-implement Habitats, which is a different game by a different designer. Yes, so (laughs) I've told this story on the podcast before, I think, but I'll I'll tell it again real quick because it's one of my favorite board game stories. So Uh when Uwe Rosenberg was playing the game Habitats by Cornet Morsel, I think is his name. Yeah, Cornet Van Morsel. Yes. He loved the mechanic of the animals, like being able to kind of like, you can draw a line through things mentally, basically, to complete objectives. And he loved that mechanic so much that he kind of designed Nova Luna around it. Mm. And he gave Cornet a design credit on Nova Luna, even though Cornet had nothing to do with Nova Luna. But basically, since his game inspired Nova Luna, Uwe wanted to give him credit for it. And I think that's really cool. But yeah, I guess, like, if I look at Sagani and Habitats, there are Uh not a lot of similarities there. And I now own the reprinting of Habitats that Board Game Tables slash All Play put out somewhat recently. And also Habitats, so fun too. (laughs) Like all these games, I like them all. They're great. But yeah, they all started with Habitats, technically. It's weird how BGG says that they're re-implement, it like has it under re-implements if it's just like design credit. That's weird. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm not quite sure how they decide that stuff. <laughs> There's another one. I mean, Framework is also another one, but Framework has re-implements Habitats and Nova Luna, but not Sigani. So maybe it's cl- closer to Nova Luna. Hmm. Then there's Savannah Scapes, which is by the same designer as Habitats that says re-implements Habitats. So <laughs> maybe that's closer to Habitats. Okay, so clearly we need to have a big long game day where we play all of these games and we put them in like, and we figure out, okay, this led to this, led to this, led to this, yeah. led to this. Have a little tree. Yeah, a little tree Family of tree games. Of, of games. We are officially in the midst of summertime. And what do people tend to do a lot of in the summertime, Ambie? Swim. Oh, okay. <laughs> <And> travel. <laughs> That's true. Yes, they do swim, but they, yes, they also... Travel. Woohoo, they travel. I am actually recording this episode of the podcast from Missouri, where my family lives. So mm-hmm. I'm currently traveling, like, right now. So we figured, we've definitely touched on this topic a number of times in the past, mm-hmm. and we're going to come back to it right now, because it is timeless, and it is ever-changing, at least for me. Mm-hmm, and me so, yeah, we're going to talk about games that we like to bring with us when we travel. Yeah, and I think the last time I talked about this, I didn't have kids, so <laughs> traveling is very different now than it used to be. Oh, me. I can I can only imagine. Because <laughs> yeah. your, your kids really, like, I would imagine a lot of parents with kids, your kids' ages, aren't necessarily thinking about bringing board games, but your kids really <laughs> do enjoy playing games. They do, yes. <laughs> they like playing with games, sometimes by their own rules and stuff. So we recently went to Disneyland and Southern California on a trip. We traveled by car, so that makes it easier to bring board games. So like there's different ways of traveling. <laughs> some are easier than others to bring board games. <laughs> For us, when I when I went on the trip, I took some a couple like 
really small games for myself, but then also a bunch of children's games. And I actually let my kids pick. So they, <laughs> they brought too many games, but <laughs> I had their little, like a, a regular game bag for them. And then they just started packing it up. And they're like, this one and this one and this one. <laughs> they're just putting all their ba- games in there. And I think they did end up playing all the games they brought though. So maybe they didn't bring too many games, <laughs> but that was cool. Cause it's kind of like a toy for them also to play and you can have them help pack. So they, they get to pick which games they want to bring. And then they're like, oh, I want to play this game. I know I brought it. That was cool. We, they got to play a couple of games in the hotel. And then we also like went to a game cafe and they got to play some of the games there too that they had brought because the game cafe didn't have children's games. Yeah. It's funny because I think when I first started traveling with board games in tow, I mm-hmm. kind of had like a set, a few board games that I kind of always brought with me. Mm-hmm. And that has changed for me over the years. I tend to be a little bit more picky and deliberate in what games I bring depending on who I know I'm going to be hanging around with. Yeah, and it depends on that a lot. Yeah, like so a recent trip that I took where I was hanging out with my partner and his teenage daughters, I was like, okay, so my partner is a hobby board gamer, but his mm-hmm. daughters are not. Mm-hmm. And so I had to think of, okay, what are games that he and I would still want to play but that we could potentially talk the girls into playing with us because really Mm -hmm. we want to be able to play games with them and so I brought a few different things with me I did bring the mind which was a hit with the 17 year old and I posted a picture of this on Twitter when it happened a few weeks ago but we had an amazing moment where the three of us ended up respectively with the one two and three cards in our hands and at the very beginning of the round when we lifted our hands off the table we all immediately flung our hands into the middle with our cards mm-hmm. and somehow the one landed on the bottom, the two landed in the middle and the three landed on top. <laughs> and it was just like, it's one of those moments in board gaming that you kind of like, this is what we do it for, right? Like it's that magical moment in a game where you're just like, ah, so satisfying. <laughs> yeah. She really liked the mind and we were doing pretty well at it. I also brought the mind to a group of kind of more young adult adults that were we're planning on playing games. I think the mind is kind of a great one because it can be flexible and it's also relatively easy to teach. Mm-hmm. And it's got a small footprint as well. And for me, that's important, especially if I need to get on a plane. If I'm traveling by car, you know, that's obviously not as big of a consideration. Another one that I've found to be a hit recently is 10, the push your luck game from AEG, where you are trying to collect cards of different cards colors in sequential rows and it's a push your luck game because you are drawing cards off the deck and trying not to hit two different totals regarding two different types of currency basically like the numbers and the currency cards are different and it's interesting because in a lot of push your luck games there isn't quite as much agency but in 10 there's a little bit more agency and I like it because then it can help level the playing field but it doesn't feel like a pure luck thing. So, you know, even somebody who's not as skilled of a gamer can still win big, but the people who are skilled gamers don't feel like they're getting hosed completely. So... (laughs) 
games like that tend to be ones that I like to bring out as well. Yeah, and when we visited, we were visiting our friends too, and we had introduced them to code names a long time ago, and they loved it. So we like playing like those party games with them. So recently, I've talked a lot about Cross Clues, which is like our go-to word party game now, and then also Phantom Inc. So we brought those because they're like, oh, these people will love it. <laughs> so like, let's bring this to play with them. We didn't get to play Phantom Inc. because we were just playing four players, and Phantom Inc. we think is better with more. <laughs> but we played Cross Clues, and they loved it. So that was a success. <laughs> I actually got to play Phantom Inc. with my friends on 4th of July. We There were only oh. five of us. So we had uneven teams and small teams, but we still had a blast. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of times when we're traveling to see friends that aren't as into the hobby as we are, we end up bringing the newer games that we want to introduce them to because it's like, oh, I want to show you this cool new game that we think you'll like. So yeah, if we're like seeing specific people and then we have an idea of what they would like, then we can bring that. And I feel like we forgot we should have brought the mind because I think like I don't think we've played it with them before but like it had been so long since we'd seen them so like I I had thought we had but I don't think we had because like we introduced everyone we like saw that year like the year that the mind came out we we introduced like everyone we talked to to the mind but yeah it was it was a big deal there for a while we might not have seen them like (laughs) I don't know I I will say I haven't played the mind for a quite a while until Mm -hmm. recently I think similar to a lot of people you know when a game like the mind comes out and kind of really you know gets hyped and you know is the hotness I did play it a lot when it was new I didn't I don't know if I burned myself out on it per se but I just wasn't thinking about it for a while like I think I played it enough right like I wasn't burned out but I was just like okay I've played the mind a lot now I'm gonna play other things and getting the mind back to the table just made me remember how much I loved it like Mm -hmm. it it is it is really a great game that's good when like a game that you haven't played in a long time does that (laughs) and it's like yes I still love it (laughs) yeah I really love that feeling Mm -hmm. But back to traveling, another thing for me now with kids that I didn't used to do before is that I brought games that I can play by myself <laughs> because, well, we were driving and then I guess also on the airplane when, when we went to Dice Tower West, I brought games that I could just play on the airplane or in the car. I wasn't driving, so. <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be a feat, I would yeah. say. But both of these I got as like review copies. I got Pocketbook Adventures and One Card Maze. So One Card Maze actually has some free print and play ones, but like it's a maze in one card. And so like I was looking at it and just doing the mazes in the car. And then Pocketbook Adventures I talked about in the podcast before, but that's like a solo RPG, like puzzly thing. It's just very small, <laughs> fits in your pocket. And and um, you use a pencil instead of dice to like hit the targets. And so that's kind of fun. And the car makes it a harder challenge because like you're trying to hit a target with your eyes closed. And so <laughs> you're in a moving car it makes it a little harder oh absolutely (laughs) but yeah so like having solo like small games that you can just play in your hand is nice for while you're in the act of traveling like on a bus a plane whatever in a car that you're not driving (laughs) I completely agree and that is one of the reasons why I basically stole my friend Kathy's copy of Revolver Noir she she gave it to me I she didn't (laughs) need to I was gonna buy my own copy but she offered to give me hers because she 
she thought I would get more use out of it. It's from Button Shy Games, so it's an 18-card game, mm. and it's mm. two players, and it's played entirely in your hands. Mm. You do not need a table at all. So, like, this could easily be played by, you know, two passengers in a car or when you're on mm. an airplane or really anywhere else, waiting for food at a restaurant, you know, anything. <laughs> and it's it's quite fun. It's kind of a spy versus spy thing where you're trying to kill the other person before they get you. And it really impressed me quite a bit. And since that one is a wallet game, you can slide that one in a pocket or a purse really easily. We've definitely talked about the button shy games before mm-hmm. as being good travel games, as well as you all know that Ambie and I both really love a lot of the titles from Oink Games, and their games mm-hmm. tend to also come in very small boxes. So I, if I'm traveling, I would say I almost always probably have at least one or two Oink games with me. Although admittedly, the one that I can't leave at home right now is not one of their smallest boxes. It's <laughs> their one of their medium-sized boxes for Make the Difference, which mm-hmm. is basically you are adding lines to a picture and trying to make them hidden enough that people can't find them right away, but not so hidden that they never find them. And I love it so much. It's such a blast. I really enjoy that game. Cool. You're talking about the button shy. Remind me of another game that's a wallet, but not button shy called Dragon Punch, which I actually got. I think it was like one of the free games at BGGCon one year. It's in a wallet and it's a two-player game that you can just do in your hand, I think. But you're like each picking cards and it's a fighting game and it's kind of like a rock, paper, scissors type thing, I think. I forget exactly how to play because I haven't played in a while, but but I remember enjoying it for what it was because I wasn't expecting much from a free game that's like that small. So it was kind of like um like a very light battle con game where you're like fighting each other and then mind games are like, what are they going to play? I have to counter it. But it's very travel friendly. Yeah, so I would say say the things that I generally like if I'm trying to think about what games I want to bring when I'm traveling there's you know a few different things that I'm considering Mm -hmm. a how much space do I have to pack things Mm -hmm. so therefore the size of the box is the size of the games and not only that but like if I'm flying you know sometimes if I bring like a quiver which shout out to quiver time I Mm -hmm. love their quiver and bolt but if you bring those as a (laughs) carry-on and send them through the scanner TSA always gets very confused like they show up they don't like yes bricks of cards do not show up well (laughs) on a scanner so here's a hot tip for all of you if you are bringing any board games with you when you travel and you are bringing them through security with you not you're not checking them tell the tsa agents up front do not wait until after your bag has gone through the scanner tell them up front say i have some board games in here and they tend to show up oddly on the scanner All the TSA agents that I've done this for have appreciated it. They still often pull my bag to the side to do the like little Mm. quick search, but they really appreciate the heads up because when they see something they can't identify, that's potentially a scary situation. And Mm. so just hot tip there. If you're bringing cards (laughs) of any kind or board games, give your friendly TSA agent (laughs) an FYI there. But yeah, so I will sometimes choose games differently depending on if Mm. I'm going to be flying with them or driving with them, not just the 
size, but the type. Mm -hmm. And then I, again, I'm also considering who am I going to be hanging out with? How much time are we going to have to play board games? You know, like if we have a whole bunch of activities planned for whatever trip I'm on, then I will pick less games because as much as I love board games, I also recognize that like, you know, time is finite. So Yeah. yeah, like when we went to Japan in 2018 or something, we were doing a bunch of like Japan stuff. We weren't, we didn't have time scheduled for board games that much. We brought like the mind and maybe that might have been the only game we brought or something. Cause also like there wasn't much room in our suitcases. So we might've brought like two games maybe. <laughs> so, but we played the mind a lot. <laughs> but yeah, for packing, like you mentioned quiver. Also, I know some people don't bring the boxes sometimes. One of my friends at board game conventions, he would not bring the box and have like the whole game in a Ziploc bag. <laughs> so that saves a lot of room. <laughs> so if you're trying to bring a lot of games to like play board games and a lot of like the bigger box games, you can just not bring the box. <laughs> and I, in the past, have combined multiple games into a single box. Yeah, you could do that too, yeah. I don't do that anymore, <laughs> only because I tend to be lazy when I come home from a trip. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm tired, I don't want to unpack things, and so what I'll do is I'll take that box and I'll put it in the game room and I'll say, yeah, 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 I'm gonna, you know, separate this all out <laughs> later. And then sometimes I completely forget to do that. And so I'll be looking for a specific game and I'm like, where is that game? I can't find it anywhere. And it's stashed in a different box somewhere. And I I literally lost an entire game at one point and had no idea where it was. And then like months later, I found it in a different game box. And I was like, oh yeah, but like, you know, ADHD brain and all that, that makes it hard for me. And I really should unpack them the second I get home and I know this, but I'm probably still not going to. So I just don't do that anymore. Yeah, I guess that's another thing about traveling with games. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We would love to hear from you all what your favorite games to travel with are, whether that's by plane, by car, by train, or who knows, if you're hopping on a jet ski with a board game, we would like to know about it. (laughs) I imagine your choices are fairly limited at that point, but hit us up on social media or in our Discord. The link to join our Discord is in the show notes. If you're not part of our Discord yet, what are you doing? Come join us. We play games together all the time we have lots of cool discussions going on and it's a lot of fun in there so yeah hit us up and let us know what your favorite games to travel with are and that's it for this week's board game blitz visit our website boardgameblitz.com for more content and links this episode was sponsored by gray fox games get excited because coming to kickstarter soon is the world of midgard campaign two new small box games in the midgard series clans of midgard which is a draft write and fight game and Reavers of Midgard the Card Game, which is a simultaneous action selection and negotiation game. And they're both set in the world of Midgard. And if you want to buy games at greyfoxgames.com, you can get 10% off your entire order, including promos, exclusives, and upgrades not available anywhere else by using the code BGBLITZ2023 at checkout. Join the Blitzketeer community on Discord for game nights, discussions, and more by following the link in the show notes. Support the show by leaving us a rating and review on iTunes or Spotify. And if you like us a lot and want to support us monetarily and get some cool perks, check out our Kofi at ko-fi.com slash boardgameblitz today. Our theme song was composed by Andrew Marr. Until next time. When the box hits your shelf like that one Christmas elf, that's a board game. Bye, everyone. Bye. and Reavers of Midgard, the card game, a simultaneous action. (laughs) I know, it's like this and this and this.